Welcome to the Red Carpet Cafe with your hosts, Eric Root and Bree Prout. Well, welcome back to another episode of Red Carpet Cafe, where I am one of your hosts, Eric Root. And I am your other host, Bree Prout. Bree, how are you this evening? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. And I'm sorry for our one listener, maybe this morning or whenever that person is listening. I told you it's 300. Well, before we take our trip into the Oasis, that's right, we're going to be talking about Ready Player One. What do you got going for your concessions for your movie? What, what are you snacking on in the theater when you're watching this? I'm just drinking Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew, that's awesome. I've got some good old-fashioned water. It's healthy, made of H2O. At least that's what they claim. <laughs> I've been doing so well at drinking water, and today I just really needed a Mountain Dew. So this is my second one. <laughs> well, but I'm not completely healthy, because I'm also having myself a chocolate chip brownie from Pizza Hut. Ask for it by name. It is amazing. If you've not had it, let me just tell you. It's basically what's probably going to be the murder weapon for me one day. It is so good. It would either be that or crispy bacon. If anybody would be like, how do you die? Like, well, odds are probably on favor is crispy bacon, but we happen to find a box of Pizza Hut chocolate chip brownie. And again, it's a plug. We're not even getting paid for that, but we should. It's really good. Like, I'm going to even show you. I got a bite right here. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, I don't, yeah. I don't... Okay. Oh, That's some good stuff right there. I'd marry it if it was legal. I don't disagree with its tastiness, but I really like those lava cakes from Domino's. I haven't had one in a very long time. You understand There's the also Domino's. Not a Domino's around here. But you understand that Domino's and Pizza Hut are competitors, right? Yeah, I'm just saying I like that, but I like those lava cakes better. Okay, but nobody out pizzas the hut. Also, another I'm not- plug. I'm not talking about pizza. I'm talking about chocolate treats. All right, fair enough. All right, so Ready Player One. This is a movie that came out in 2018 based on the book by Edward Klein. Own the book. The book is different from the movie, but I really enjoyed the film. And I think part of it is that it is such a nostalgic trip seeing all the 80s pop culture Mm -hmm. references. You've got Iron Giant. You've got Gungam. You've got... Or you've got Gungam. um, Chucky. I mean, I'm just drawing off the top of my head of some of the things we see in there. The DeLorean from Back to the Future. I think that's my favorite part. Oh, yes. But as far as, like... Like, retro 80s throwbacks. Um, but for those that music, haven't... True. But for those that haven't seen it, the premise of the film is that it is the year 2045, and our planet is on the brink of chaos and collapse, but people find salvation in what's called the Oasis. It's an expansive virtual reality universe created by an eccentric programmer named James Holiday. When Holiday I die, when Holiday dies, he promises his immense fortune to the first person to discover 
a digital Easter egg that's hidden somewhere in the oasis. And then when a young Wade Watts joins the contest, he finds himself becoming an unlikely hero in a reality-bending treasure hunt through a fantastical world of mystery, discovery, and danger. Dun, dun. Did you get the pleasure of seeing this in the th- in the theater? No. Twice. I watched oh, it man. twice. First time my buddy Levi took me as a birthday gift, and I didn't know anything about it, but I walked out of that theater going, this is probably one of the coolest original ideas I've seen mm-hmm. in a very long time. I had a coworker who went with uh, with her family. She has um, four kids, and they all loved it. So she talked about it for a while and talked about the book, too. This was back when it first came out. Okay. All great things to say about it. Okay, so when you watched it, what would you say was the first thing you noticed about the film as it started? Uh, that, <laughs> never mind, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> um, it made me really sad for the future. <laughs> All right, Until, that's kind of where I was going. Right. I'm um, like, so that's really cool. 2045 is yeah. only 24 years from now, and we'll mm-hmm. all be living basically in stacked up RV campers and uh, shipping containers. Yep. Stacked, you know, sky high. <laughs> but only on the outskirts of Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. That is interesting how that was the center of the world. Well, at least his world. This world. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, because when he meets Sam later, she's in that area too, just not in the part that he's from. But they right. do talk to that, um, like, Halliday started Oasis. He lives basically in the backyard of where Oasis started. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Uh-huh. Can you stop eating this brownie? <laughs> sorry, this brownie is so freaking good. Yes, I'll stop. Go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I feel like that's... I mean, I don't know from a writing standpoint why Columbus, but um, but I think that that's why it's taking place there, because that's where Halliday created the program that became the oasis that everyone goes into, the virtual reality, and well, these characters just happen to be in the area of of that. Because, I mean, they even talk about like the whole world at some point. Well, but if my world looked the way his did, where everybody's living in basically, what they call it, the stacks? <laughs> if you're living in Probably stacks, of course you're going to want to spend quality time in the Oasis because it feels like you have breathing room. Well, not only that, but I mean, it just kind of gives you that feeling of like, what else is there to live for if everyone's just on top of each other? No one really seems happy. But then when people are active and they look happy, it's when they're doing all of their right. movements to their virtual reality headset. But in two, when they're playing the game, they're earning these credits and these credits they're spending on real world items. Yep. So yep. it almost becomes like a job to be mm-hmm. there the whole time. Yeah. But it's a wonder that anybody actually gets together if everyone is in the Oasis. Mm hmm. 
conversing. Nobody does the real life thing. So it's kind of a sad commentary. Of course. I mean, which is why ultimately in the end, um, with the future of the company, I won't jump too far ahead, but with the future of the company and making the decision to have it closed on, I think it was like Tuesdays and Thursdays or something like that. I think that's a great idea because then it gives people time to actually be present and have true human interaction. Right. Um, I I still have to eat. Like you're, you're not, you're not eating virtual food and living off of it. I wonder, too, if because of the creation of the Oasis, that's where everyone kind of lost their human interaction. Because it's not like the Oasis started in 2045. Right. No, that's true. That's very true. I wonder if that's kind of like what what led to our introduction to the world in 2045. But, I mean, on a sad I don't know if it's a sad note, but a strange note is I'm a huge fan of the Oculus Quest 2, which I have. And mm-hmm. I would not be sad if they introduced an Oasis in there. I would be all about it, being like, that would be amazing. But obviously it wouldn't be the Oasis that we're experiencing in the movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's still kind of limited in that technology that way. Because we don't have, at least not in mass production... We don't have the platforms where you can stand on it and move multi-directional but be strapped in so you're not actually going anywhere. It just gives you that sensation that you are. Mm-hmm. I've seen those available through uh, Kickstarters that they're trying to develop. And they're and I'm sure they've already got some out there military application-wise, but there's nothing mass-produced for the general audience. Mm-hmm. So you're, limit, you're limited to your play space anyway. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I, like, when I think about, like, if this was really (laughs) totally big, big thinking, but if this is the direction, potentially, of, like, what the world would be, I mean, it's cool with the concept of being able to go to quite literally anywhere that you want to go to. Right. However, the earning money aspect I love video games, but I'm not great at them. In fact, I always have to wait for them to say, do you want to continue? And then I respawn like 500 gazillion times. Right. I would lose everything. So that's like the other piece of that, too, is so that even though you're in this world and you're, what is it, Planet Doom is where everyone goes to get a lot of coin. But it's also a place where people die pretty rapidly. And lose a lot of coin. Yeah, and any time, so you respawn any time you die in the Oasis, but you respawn with nothing. Right. So there's, you know, at at some point you get introduced to, um, to the, the villain to the, or the assistant to our villain. Um, I can't even think of his name. Is it Iraq? Yeah. Uh-huh. Is he, is he yep. He's yep. Sorrento's little Played minion. TJ Miller. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, he gives him this, this weapon that's literally the orb. The orb. Yeah, it's yes. an orb. Yeah. And, and it's literally going to wipe out everything, not just. Oh, the orb, the, the orb was a shield to keep them protected while they were trying oh. to what's the, get what's one the, of the keys. 
What's you're the talking about the cat you're talking about the cataclysm yes. rod that he had that was yes. basically like a rod where if he pulled it apart and then collapsed it it would my bad, destroy my bad. it would destroy everything no that's okay right. and he like stops him cuz he's like i've got he's 12 like, years built up in like into i thought this. you were like, bluffing yeah you can't you can't do this and then so yeah i mean and and just everything that shoots out of his character when he like gets blown to bits like all of the there's copious amounts of weapon mm-hmm. a gazillion coin yep. like it's it's just kind of crazy to think that um i don't know just how much like looking ahead in this particular series like how much people are relying on this alternate reality right to live their lives What's interesting about the Oasis, if you look at it from a video game perspective, is that it set up, obviously, with multiple realms to it. So, like, you have your Minecraft world for those that like to create things. You have that whole sports world where you could play sports. Um, the golf but, sequence in the beginning that they show is really cool. Yeah. You hit it and it bounces off from, like, mountain to mountain. Clearly, they also have nefarious locations for people who are browsing the internet for those purposes. But uh, it, the big focus of this movie, though, if you really look at it, is some racing, um, and then what's called PVE, player versus environment, and then PvP, player versus player. Versus player. And I've never been a huge fan of player versus player. Uh, most of the video games that I've played, and I've played quite a few in my many years, I tend to go more for the kind that are like the RPGs, the MMORPGs, which is basically you have a character, you create the character, you control the character, but you do quests and mm-hmm. combat and you level it up. Role play games. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, Final Fantasy from Square Enix has always been my favorite line, and that also goes into uh, the uh, Kingdom Hearts, which is mm-hmm. from Square Enix and Disney, but it's mm-hmm. still Final Fantasy based. Mm-hmm. And that, those have always been my go to that I've enjoyed. But I'm I appreciate a, what we saw in the movie, though. Mm-hmm. I'm a player versus environment kind of game. Yeah. That's I, how you would describe player versus environment would have been the shining scene yep. in, in Ready Player One, where they're in the Overlook Hotel. And as soon as I saw that on the screen, I was like, oh, crap, where are they going with this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. A lot so, more intense, though, than the actual old school movie, which we may cover one day in our retro rewind. <laughs> I'm ready for it. Right, right. <laughs> um, that's right up my genre alley. Um, so, okay, diving more into the movie, the idea behind it is that um, that Halliday created the Oasis, this place where pretty much as we've already discussed, that's where everyone goes. That's where everyone essentially lives outside of, like, they talked about, I mean, even in the beginning, like, you know, you go into the bathroom and sleeping and that's it. Everything else is done in the Oasis. Um, That being said, so the premise is that, you know, Halliday created this world 
um, and years have passed and um, come 2040, I think it was, there's this announcement that gets released that Halliday has has died and in his place is this challenge that he created. And the premise of that challenge is that ultimately there is an Easter egg and whomever finds this Easter egg is going to become the sole um, owner of the Oasis. The right. entire to, thing. To do so, they have to find three, three keys. digital keys. Yep. So that's kind of right away. The movie just jumps right into it. They give us a little bit of background, um, how we got to where we are, and this is where we're heading. And so with that, they then introduce um, uh, these avatars that people create of themselves, which I think, you know, avatars are not um, not a new concept by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but these these avatars, they can be changed instantaneously based on whether they're purchasing it or it's something they already have in their like collection and he's got this clan that he's created even though our main character wade um whose avatar oasis character is parcival um he states many many times that he doesn't clan up he's all about himself in this world he has friends but he doesn't, he's not a part of a group. He's very independent. Um, so then we meet H. We meet uh, Sho and is it Dato or Dido? Dito. Dido, okay. So those are like his four mm-hmm. buddies. Which technically so, is a clan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Weird. For gaming purposes. It's spelled <laughs> so, with a C. From there, we then learn, you know, he's contacting H, who is with Show and Dido on Planet Doom, getting some coin, um, alerting them that they need to hurry up because it's time, you know, the race is in 15 minutes, the race is in 10 minutes, and okay, Mom. Right, one uh, day the portal for the race appeared, then they realized yep. that's the start of the first key. Yep. Yeah, so it randomly appears, and then the day after that portal, I guess I'm kind of jumping ahead because they get through the race part first, but after that portal opens, then this, um, what is it called, the Halliday Journals or Halliday... Oh, yeah, the the archives. Mm -hmm. This building shows up, and it's essentially, (laughs) it's a library of Halliday's mind from birth and all of his memories yeah yeah everything that there there is to know about him it's just a look through the world in his eyes his memories so they're in the race and they're all lined up that's where we get to meet the delorean which is super fitting because this whole movie all the references are based Really, all of them are based off of like the late, late seventies through the mid to late eighties. Right. All pop, it's the, all pop culture. Yeah. All, yeah. Everything that, um, yeah, everything that means anything in this world. So I think that it's, it's fitting that he's picked the DeLorean as his vehicle because here you can have any vehicle, um, right. any, you know, whatever. 
or no vehicle, really, and you but can do course, anything you want. And he you can't help but laugh, though. He shows, you know, you got Parsifal shows up, and H, you know, what are you out of fuel? And he's like, oh, I don't have enough coins, so he's got to sit in the back and collect mm-hmm. coins from the fallen. Yeah. Basically, kind of slumming it along in yeah. order to yeah. get his fuel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Which as everyone else is getting destroyed through this race and coin goes flying, he's flipping open his DeLorean doors and collecting everything and immediately turning it into fuel. And if it, if I remember correctly, I think the race was a digital version of San Francisco. And the uh, as they're racing through the streets, there's all these obstacles mm-hmm. and boulders and then Freaking King Kong shows up yep. and starts causing a chaos and havoc. at one point. Yeah. But it's kind of cool, the other vehicles that you see. I mean, at some point, there, there's a Batmobile. You see the Mach <laughs> 5, which is right. really cool. Um, I think that if I would have picked any any vehicle, I would probably go with either the Mach 5 or the DeLorean if I were living in that mind space. Is it weird that I would want to cheat and have like a helicopter? You don't think King Kong's gonna reach up and grab you? Uh, but what if you fly high enough? There's uh, gotta be some height capacity to the Oasis. Suddenly I, that I happens and then roll credits game over. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling that somehow it just wouldn't work out since there's sure. only a one way to get they, to the key. They drop like lightning on it or something from the right. sky. Yeah. Something interesting. juicy would happen. Right. Um, yeah. So then from there, that's when we find out about the archives. And mm-hmm. there's no one in there. This building's now pretty much empty. Um, it's been five years since this race announcement has happened. Or not the race announcement. Well, I guess it is a race to get to the Easter egg has happened so it's just not it's not active in fact the curator who is kind of like this um he looks like i don't know he's like a like a unicycle robot that's dressed like a butler right that's a good that's an accurate description yeah i don't yeah i don't know very english in very english yes and really sarcastic and not very accepting of parsival in real world Wade. True. Um, so then he goes in and he goes and watches this archive that he's seen 1,500 times. The curator's rolling his eyes and he's re- literally following along with this memory in Halliday's mind word for word. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of like, all right, I guess there's nothing here and starts to walk away. And the curator keeps watching and so he hears it as he's walking away, and he hears the word backwards, mm-hmm. and then he runs back. And Halliday said he's talking about the world, and instead of moving forward, if we could just move backwards really, really fast. Yeah. And a light bulb goes off in Parsifal's <laughs> mind. One thing to note too, I think, for these avatars, just from a movie standpoint, because that's why we're here, right? Um, I thought it was very cool as we're meeting all of these characters, how much they still look like the actors that are portraying them just yeah. with, with a handful of tweaks to make it not totally obvious who it may or may not be. Um, I, I appreciated that. And I bet as, as an actor, as you are, 
I mean, you know, when you're acting, until you do something like this, you don't realize how much your voice and the inflection, how much it really um, sends the message, you know, that, you know, yeah. the message that you want someone to receive. Um, you know, and it's not just all through through motion and visuals. And so how cool for them to be creating this voice the entire time into this, you know, CGI video game esque version of themselves. You know, I mean, people do voice acting all the time for anything animated, but it's not often that the animated characters reflect actual features of the actor and actress themselves. So well, if I you that'd be if really you cool. look to Spielberg and the gang dropped about 175 million to make this film, but it wasn't all in salary. So clearly the money definitely was funneled into that whole CGI and perfecting it. And yes, the the graphics were quite breathtaking. There were moments where I kept thinking, this looks like real environment. And I'm not talking about holidays, that kind of end scene bedroom. Obviously that was a live scene. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm talking about just like when they're playing adventure on Planet Doom. Mm -hmm. And there are moments where they're standing on the ice where you're looking around and going, wow, the textures on this is mm -hmm. fantastic. Well done. Well yeah. done on the editing. I would agree with that completely. So, yeah, he discovers that clue and then he ends up going back to the race. Everyone takes off. He's still sitting at the end and just thinking about it for a minute. And then looking back, and he decides that he's going to throw it in reverse, and he floors it, and he ends up finding a basically a hidden spot where he backtracks back his way to the key, first mm -hmm. to the key. And then everyone's like, what? What happened? How did that happen? And so he tells his close friends. His clan. Yes, and it just snowballs from there because then everybody then eventually mm -hmm. figures it out because you know, people are going to talk. <laughs> Guess Correct. what I got? Guess what I got? <laughs> but yeah. then, uh, then it opened up the uh, the whole thought process of, okay, so now we need to figure out how to get the second key. But there was a clue that was listed at the end of the when they, you know, they get that first key mm -hmm. that directs them back to the archives. And mm -hmm. so, you know, Talking looking about taking a leap. Yeah, looking into the whole aspect of Halliday's life and that leap that he took or should have taken was the one dealing with uh, his love interest. And mm -hmm. so come to find out, it involves the movie theater and the movie The Shining. So they go into the whole portal and they are outside the movie theater of The Shining, and the next thing you know, they're in the Overlook Hotel, <laughs> and you're like, oh, this is not going to go well. <laughs> that portion of the movie in particular, from a graphic standpoint, felt identical to being a human in that movie. Mm -hmm. Not so much this, um, you know, animated CGI created world. It really right. looked and felt as though you're watching the movie. 
until you get to the part where H walks into the into the uh the room. Is it room two thirteen? Two thirty one. I'd have to relook it up. It's been a while since I've seen I've seen it. It's the same room though from mm-hmm, that's, the Stanley yeah. Kubrick film. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the lady gets out of the shower and he's just like, Oh hey, what's up? Naked lady. <laughs> because H has never seen it. H is like, this isn't That's a scary true. movie, is it? And everyone's like, right. <laughs> Yeah, I did like how they used the typewriter so that instead of it saying, you know, all work and no play makes Jack a doll boy, it's basically like a counter counting down, like the page kept changing like a, like a clock, counting down to when basically their turn is null and void. Mm-hmm. But, oh, and uh, it's room 237, by the way. <laughs> 237, thank you. Yeah. So, you know, H ends up escaping that room to be put immediately out into the uh, the maze. And it's that scene of the maze where you have the huge zombie mm-hmm. woman with the axe. Obviously, that doesn't look like a real person. That looks no. more CG. Yeah. But all the textures and stuff were there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then you you see the hallway, or b- before all that, you see the hallway where <laughs> H twins. is like, yeah, hey little girls, do you need help? Yeah. <laughs> They're like, yeah. yeah, you need to run, bro. <laughs> These yeah. little girls are not going to be good <laughs> for you. And they turn and, around, they get on the elevator. Yeah, and then the room, just like in the movie, starts filling up with like you know the ocean of blood and Mm -hmm. it sweeps them down but that's when they notice the picture Mm -hmm. instead of it being jack torrance it's Mm -hmm. halliday uh and his love interest so that inevitably leads them to the gold room and then um artemis figures out that she needs to take the leap of faith in order to get there uh to get to the key and she ends up nabbing the second key and inevitably they all get it Mm-hmm. But she's the the trailblazer, and that was kind of cool to see the the gold room um, used that way with the floating, uh, you know, s- specters. I guess you could say. Reminded, yeah, kind of reminded me a little bit of, you know, Shining meets Haunted Mansion. I was here to say Haunted Mansion. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Because, well, and then the idea of the leap was. It was a mix between, um, like, their first date. Like, she was a dancer and mm. wanted to go dancing. So that's what his so his partner is, John Morrow. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he's like, you know. He, Ogden. Tell, Ogden Morrow. Ogden. Yeah. Played by Simon Pegg. And he's like, he's like, <laughs> um, he wants to know about the date and he's <laughs> and how they go, you know, like there's like nothing to talk about. And he's like, well, well, what did she, you know, like she had to say something like, give me some more here. And he was like, oh yeah, she wanted to go dancing. So we watched a movie. <laughs> so the premise of this is, um, the movie. And then, right. and then she is, you know, that haunted mansion feel. She's, circling the room being grabbed by all these zombies from like partner to partner to partner so she's dancing and the idea is like taking that leap to jump out to save her so well and also he should have taken the idea 
you should have taken the leap to just ask her to dance, but instead he chose not to. So ultimately, we come to find out that he never ends up with her. I mean, that was his missed opportunity. But then once Artemis gets the key, there's another clue, and ultimately we find out that the third key is on Planet Doom, but the IOI, which is the bad guy company, mm-hmm. who basically controls all the commerce and is trying to control everything by yeah. getting all three keys. Yeah, they uh, they, they offer everyone this nicer life outside of those stacked trailers, and mm-hmm. to afford it, they have to work for IOI trying to get these keys quite literally 24-7. Right. And what ends up happening is a lot of times, too, people who play, they get into debt, IOI buys up the debt of these people and then turns around and makes them have to work for them to pay off the debt because Mm -hmm. they can't pay it off otherwise. Mm -hmm. So what happens in a lot of cases, people, they play, they play, they play, they earn up, they try to pay off the debt. And, oh, look, IOI raised the interest rate. (laughs) <laughs> increase the debt so they have to continue working and then a lot of people unfortunately end up dying mm-hmm. and that Before was they what get a chance and that's what artemis was saying that she was trying to stop is that yep. her father like, had died yep. because yeah. of that they bought up his debt and it became so insurmountable that he ended up just playing until he died and mm-hmm. it's beyond tragic yeah But IOI takes over Planet Doom as they see that it is an old-school Atari 2600 system, and they have to figure out what game it is that needs to be played in Mm -hmm. order to get the third key. Um, Yeah, so uh, you've got the scene with IOI breaking it down, just this huge group of people who are obsessed with video games and old video games debating amongst each other what video game it could possibly be and using their knowledge of Halliday's um, mind and life to what it could possibly be. And they ultimately land on the game from, I think it was from 1975, they said, or 85, 1985 adventure, 1985, 75 would be, that's too far away. Woo. Um, and every game they've ever played, the person playing it, anytime they beat the game, the ice breaks and they, they die. They lose everything. So they got to go on right. to the next game. But so some games, on, they don't even win. Some games, they only get a couple minutes into couple, it. And yeah, it breaks yeah. And they're like, nope, yep. you're done. Yep. So, um, they get to adventure and throughout this entire fight sequence that's happening, um, with anyone who's not IOI, um, they're playing adventure this entire time. So they're like, this is the game. This is it. We're in the game. We're in up until he beats the game and he falls through the ice. So um, in the meantime, this just everyone and anyone who is fighting for the Oasis at this point, like that's what it comes down to. You got IOI who wants to control the Oasis and everyone else who want, who wants it as it, as it is, it's going to change if IOI gets it. So they send out this 
public live broadcast letting everyone know, meet us on Planet Doom. You know, the key is here, and IOI has used the orb to shield it. Right. And now we can't get it. We need to get this shield down. So, ultimately, they get through the shield. Um, Artemis um, speaks this um spell if you will to incantation there you go to i'm pretty sure that's from ghostbusters yeah i think that's from ghostbusters and uh and so then everyone can get in there and then ultimately um wade gets there just as the guy is falling through the ice and he explains um what really you should be oh, looking for. No, I'm sorry. I'm dead wrong, and I'm sure my wife is probably, when Uh-oh. she hears this, going to be like, no, that's not what it's from. The spell cast to use the orb of Osavux is from the movie Excalibur. In uh-huh. modern Irish Gaelic, it's Anal Nathrach Ortha Ortha Ba. Ooh, you're more brave than me. <laughs> which means serpent's breath. Charm of death and life, thy omen of making. But yes, that's from Excalibur, so I apologize to those that are like, No, it's not Ghostbusters! <laughs> hey, I didn't even know. It's Excalibur. She, no, she knew. That's the problem, is we were watching it, and she knew it right away. And <laughs> for whatever reason, I was more focused on everything else going on in the film at the time. It's not a, to her... Yeah. It's not, like, it's not... From a lack of not wanting to know, but I knew she knew, so I was comfortable with just moving on with the next part of the scene. Well, and and honestly, thinking about this movie, I think anyone who is at this point in time, I would say, I don't know, 30, 32 and older is going to have a different appreciation for this movie than um, anyone younger than that. Um, simply having, I mean, I would be on the the younger end of that, but, you know, living through that and, and growing up with these movies, growing up with these video games, you know, you, right. you the music, the music for me is like, that's stellar for me. And I don't know why I keep saying <laughs> stellar, but it is like, it's been my word for about a week now, so... Okay. You just got to deal with it. <laughs> Hashtag <Anyway>. stellar. <laughs> um, yeah, so I feel like um, there are so many little 80s references to pick up on throughout the entire movie. Like, it would have never yeah. occurred to me that that incantation was actually from something and not just right a part of, a part of the nothing movie. nothing in the movie appears to be by accident of course and mm-hmm. as with the book i mean even in the scene exactly. where parsival and artemis are in the club mm-hmm. and they're being attacked he uses a, an expensive item that he won at the artem or the uh, zemeckis cube which is clearly a rubik's cube but mm-hmm. renamed in nod of zemeckis in his films from the 80s um, which causes time to reverse what I think it was like three 60 or f- seconds. Is it 60 seconds? Mm-hmm. Okay. It was enough for them to basically make an escape. Right. But very, very cool. Um, you know, the big fight scene on Doom, I felt like as soon as it starts, I'm looking at it going, 
man, this is a PlayStation commercial right here. <laughs> like every freaking possible game. I mean, you see these characters running towards the IOI barrier, and it's like um, characters from Halo. You've got superheroes. <laughs> from Friday the 13th. You, right. You've got... <laughs> Um, Not even PlayStation, but even Artemis when she threw into Mecha Godzilla, yeah. uh, she threw that little squishy ball. I remember those things, but this one blows up and basically takes out um, Sorrento. Uh, Sorrento in the process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when he's, you know, I think it was H that says, "Hey, use this," and it's a Chucky doll. And he throws the Chucky doll, and it starts stabbing all of the IOI people. You just see this sea of, you know, red in real life with everybody being um, knocked out of the game. Right. Even when Mechagodzilla fell down, he took out, like, a whole half of his room Mm -hmm. of people just from the sheer volume. That was pretty... What about the, uh, there's the grenade, too, that he has, too, when he, like, tosses that, and they were like... You've had that this whole time? You remember that? Wait, it's once they that? actually get inside the building. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, there, man. There's so many really cool references that if you, you blink, you're going to miss it. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. I, I mean, we've been breaking this down, and it, it's my fault. I started us down that path of, like, then this happens, and this happens. Beyond everything that happens, just the pop culture references there's so much and what i find more fascinating about it is that here we are in 2045 so that would make halliday probably born at the same time i was and having and then he has you know grows into his like old life of just this huge appreciation for the 80s and right. then that passes on through everything that he's created in the oasis and then now you have this i don't know maybe 23 year old wade in 2045 i don't even know if he he says when he was born he was born in 2027 i think he says i'd have to rewatch the beginning to catch so, it yeah, we'll pretend that I'm correct and that it's 23 years old. He's a young <laughs> kid, right? He's definitely got to be in like the 20 range. Um, anyway, and, and so that's 2045 and him and Artemis have this like back and forth of not only like everything that Halliday has said and talked and that he loves, but all this like 80s trivia and they're like, boom, 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 boom. It's like they're sparring and it's like, Shoot, there's so much that they're saying that even like I have to think twice about it and be like, oh yeah, you know, like like the orb, like I would have never, right. I would have never pieced that together. I would, as you did, I would need someone to be like, yeah, this is from that. And again, the credit goes to my wife because she's the one that <laughs> caught it right away. Where I yeah. was just like into the moment, going, wow, this is pretty authentic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know. It comes down to the end when um, Parsifal ends up winning only because even though the world was annihilated, he had his extra life quarter in his pocket that he got from the, the curator. World. I'm sorry, the Oasis world um, that he had in his pocket from 
uh, a side bet he had with the curator earlier in the film. Mm-hmm. And that gave him and only him the opportunity to go in and then play adventure. And the whole point of that key was not to win the game. It was just to play it and to just wander along and mm-hmm. find the hidden dot that was near the, the beginning Easter, of the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was the very first video game Easter egg because when you grab the dot and bring it back to the start, it showed you the creator's name of that mm-hmm. game. And mm-hmm. so that prompted him getting the key, and even though Sorrento was on the verge of taking him out via a car chase where he was playing in the back of a postal van, um, he ends up still getting the Easter egg. Um, We see uh, Sorrento with a gun on the verge of trying to take out Parsifal, but then he notices that in the reflection of Parsifal's uh, visor, that mm-hmm. enables him to see into the the oasis that he clearly has the Easter egg. Mm-hmm. By then, the authorities are on them. The authorities take him out, or not kill him, but arrest him, and then uh, and his his cohorts, and uh, they they go off to jail. And then uh, Ogden Morrow, who's still alive, who also happened to be the curator. Uh, basically lets them know that they've won and they've decided that they're going to all share in the ownership of the Oasis. Changing it so that it's not 24-7. It is mm-hmm. closed on Tuesdays and Thursdays so that Parsifal and Artemis can have make-out sessions. <laughs> but really it's so that, people actually, yeah. <laughs> so that people can actually live their life. Um, but it was a fitting ending for that film. Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciated to, um, so there's, you know, uh, Wade gets the key or sorry, Parsifal gets the key and then everything goes away and suddenly, um, he is in this room with like, the, it's filled with gold, all of the fortune. Um, he's in the room with, um, with, Halliday's avatar, and I can't remember right now what his name is, and he hands him the contract. He's like, all right, it's all yours. Here, go, sign it. And as he's getting ready to sign it, Parsifal realizes that this isn't right. Like, this is what it was like when he um, he sold the company to his partner, or and, and that this isn't what Halliday would want. And then he realizes that it was a test, then they go into what would be like live time, right? Like like human time, kind of like the videos of the mind that we had been watching. And suddenly Holiday's we're... childhood bedroom. Yep. And there's like the button that turns the whole oasis off. Him as a child is sitting there playing a game. And, um, and then they really like dive into... Um, to Halliday, everything that he was and everything that he's left and whether, you know, Wade questions whether or not he's really dead. And um, it's kind of a rather emotional scene when you think about how much Wade Parsifal has um, not only invested in this adventure, but how how highly he thinks of Halliday. And everything that he's done and believed in, 
And like for me, I mean, I get emotional at all of the emotional things in movies. But as a viewer, you know, like I started to feel like kind of like this like, oh, moment and like maybe I want to cry, but maybe I'm not going to. And then you see like Wade in real time when he goes to take off his um, Oasis goggles that he's crying, too, because it was such an emotional thing. Not so much that he even it's not that he got the egg. It's not that he now owns the Oasis. It's not that he's going to have all this money. It's that connection that he felt even just for that moment and having that conversation with Halliday and with, you know, and it's like without that in his mind, this escape that everyone has wouldn't even exist. But the scene when he is there, you know, and he's got the tears, um, which you can tell. And yes, it was a very emotional scene. It wasn't completely surprising though, because earlier in the film, when they talk about Halliday passing away, Mm-hmm. And they showed, you know, like people in school and such. There was a lot of, of tears shed at that moment because people were unsure what was going to happen next to someone, this person that they looked up to that created this video game mm-hmm. and that they all loved. They're like, well, what, where's this going to go next? And I equate his passing for 2045 or 20 whatever year it was that he passed away Mm -hmm. similar to when my parents were younger and kennedy passed away because Mm -hmm. everyone i mean obviously not everyone loved kennedy but a huge portion of the country (laughs) a huge portion of the country did Mm -hmm. and they really took it to heart when he was killed but in this case this wasn't like Halliday was shot on the grassy knoll or from the grassy knoll. He he passed away of just old age. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the type of popularity he had was that of like a Kennedy mm-hmm. is, was my impression. And yeah. that's why it kind of made sense. So there is a second book out now, Ready Player Two. Yeah. And I'm really hoping we're going to get a sequel film too. I, I, I think be this great. would be this would be warranted just because again it was original idea. Um, so I'm holding out hope. I haven't looked to see if it's been greenlit or and such, but this first movie made so much money. I would be shocked if they didn't take an opportunity to mm-hmm. take another crack at it. Yeah. So. Let's talk about what our review rating would be on this. So, on a scale of 1 to 10 extra live coins, what would you rate? I thought you were going to say DeLoreans. No, no, no. <laughs> extra live coins. What would you What would you rate this film? Um, this one I have to give a 10. When I first saw this movie, I immediately started over and watched it again. So then when you told me that this was one that you thought maybe we could talk about and you gave me another movie that I had mentioned that I wanted to talk about, I chose to watch this one instead. And this one is about an hour longer than the other movie. That's true. And just for the record, everybody, the other movie I told her to talk that she should um, consider was uh, Mariah Carey's Glitter because we all know that the best film ever and it's my favorite 
just behind Star Wars. So, I'm going to say that I am going to give this film... <sighs> I'm going to give it nine. And not because I didn't love it. I I really did. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Uh, I did like it a lot. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like there was just maybe it was one pop culture reference short of me going, I'm all in. Like if I had seen like the Smurfs or maybe the California Raisins actually with weapons on Planet Doom, I would have been like, what? Or Teletubbies or something. No, I guess Teletubbies was not the 80s. I guess that's more 90s. You know what? So is the Iron Giant. That was like late 90s. But still, Iron Giant was a very cool reference, though. Yeah. I mean, and it worked out really well to have the Iron Giant to create the little bridge I mean, for them. At that rate, maybe they should have had also a giant peach and James comes out with a Catlink <laughs> gun or something. Um, or even maybe some Disney characters there with weapons would have been something they would have never have approved. But that I was going to say, yeah, that's a lawsuit waiting to happen. <laughs> well, no, they would have they would they would have to be involved with the film, but they would never let their beloved characters do that. But yeah, I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it a nine. I'm gonna give it a nine. Okay. Um, overall, solid story. It's pretty good. Anything you want to add before we wrap this up? No, I uh, I too am hopeful that Ready Player Two becomes a movie sequel. Um, there's just as much as people kind of complain of like, oh, the book is always better for pretty much anything. It's still really cool to visually see it, whether you've read it or not. So I'm I'm equally excited and look forward to the potential of that being a sequel. That's that's yes, I think that would be um, another fun romp back through the oasis. Mm-hmm. All right, well, thank you all for listening to this a little bit extra longer episode <laughs> of Red Carpet Cafe. It's all good. Uh, I, again, am one of your hosts, Eric Root. And I am the super long-winded Bree Prout. And we just want to remind you that Red Carpet Cafe is a member of the Be Kind Rewind Podcast Network. And if you'd like more information, you can find us on the web at bkrpn.com. Have a great day, everyone. On the next episode of the Red Carpet Cafe. What I want to talk about is a show that's on Apple Plus. It's not Ted Lasso. Which is also a great show. Haven't watched that one yet. Stop uh, it. You have to. It's amazing. I was like got laughing so hard that my abs hurt. It was so good. Wow, one out of one Jen approves. That sounds like a 100% approval rating right there. I may have to catch that soon. I loved it. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about one of their other shows that not many are talking about, and that's Mythic Quest. So funny, this I, show. I watched it um, right before the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw all of the first season, and then became a little disheartened because I kept thinking this pandemic is going to kill this show. Mm -hmm. It's hard to do. 
So for those that are listening, Mythic Quest is really interesting. It's it's as if if you've ever heard of or seen the the HBO show Silicon Valley, which is about the tech world. It's like Silicon Valley got together with the computer game World of Warcraft, decided that they were going to have a miscellaneous love child, and this is the byproduct of this show.